Welcome to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. I'm Joey Roberts. I have truly the best job in the world. I, I always joke, you know, I'm partnerships manager at Gatita, so I always joke that uh, my job is to travel and make friends. But it really is such, it's really incredible to see in all these different parts of the world. So we do a lot of travel domestic. I go up to Canada a couple times a year. I uh, went to Prague earlier this year, just got back from Sydney. And to see the camaraderie and the community that exists and crosses borders and oceans. Welcome to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. I am so thrilled to have Lisa Kinski from Gatita, which is an innovative service that is revolutionized the way Amazon sellers can maximize, well, and manage their reimbursements. So we are talking about finding money for Amazon sellers to put back into their pocket. And the coolest thing that I like about Gatita and I've used them is that you don't pay a fee right away. So Lisa, welcome. So excited you're here. Hi, I'm so thrilled to be here. Happy we could finally do this. I will say that byline for Gatita that you gave, uh, I'm going to borrow that. I'm going to steal it because I usually give like the one-liners and that was such a great summation of what we do. So thank you. <laughs> oh, awesome. I know. I always try to think like, how can I tell the listeners super fast what Gatita is? So I'm glad I nailed it. Yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> and we have had Rob Stanley on from Gatita as well. So if Listeners, if you haven't heard his story, he has a phenomenal selling story. And now I'm so excited, Lisa, to have you here because you put your heart and soul into e-commerce serving the Amazon community. You get on planes, you travel across the world. I know you like to travel, but it's a little different when you're <laughs> traveling for work. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is. I don't have quite as many trips under my belt per year as Rob does, but I'll close out 2023 with 19 business trips. So um, it's far more than I ever thought that I would travel. I used to be petrified of flying. You couldn't even pay me to get on a plane probably until I was, I took my first flight when I was 20. Uh, and it was a small little flight from Atlanta to Lawton, Oklahoma, where there is nothing <laughs> but a military base. I was going for a basic training graduation um, to try to get my first flight out of the way before a study abroad in college. And it was a flight where if something could go wrong, it did go wrong. So I like to think I've had easy travels since then because I got all of my bad luck out of the way very early. So <laughs> I love that. And it's super cool that you get to go. Uh, see the world while you're working. And it's one of the things being an Amazon seller and part of the Amazon industry that all of us get to do. Yeah, I have truly the best job in the world. I, I always joke, you know, I'm partnerships manager at Gatita. So I always joke that uh, my job is to travel and make friends. But it really is such it's really incredible to see in all these different parts of the world. So we do a lot of travel domestic. I go up to Canada a couple times a year. I uh, went to Prague earlier this year, just got back from Sydney. And to see the camaraderie and the community that exists and crosses borders and oceans, you know, through these sellers who are saying, Hey, what have you experienced on the platform? What have you experienced on the marketplace? How 
is selling in Australia different from the US? How is your product going? Like, oh, I know somebody who can help you here. Like it, yeah. it really, it really is just an amazing industry and community to be a part of. I'm I'm so lucky. And and yeah, the, the travel abroad is great. <laughs> yes, and we are all lucky. But one of the things that unites all of us is navigating Amazon's complexities, right? Like Amazon's systems and policies, they can actually be quite complex. They're not impossible, but it is so nice when you have a community. And I know that Gatita has uh, built their platform specifically to help sellers with these complexities, especially when it comes to filing claims. Yeah, for sure. That's one of the reasons we have such a robust partner network is because there are so many different facets and verticals and intricacies to selling on Amazon, no one person can master it all, right? Like you you can yes. have a a full service agency that manages it, but it's not one guy. They have an enormous team helping you with your inventory management, your reimbursements, your PPC, your product design, your packaging. I mean, all of the things. And what we've decided to do is really drill down into the one vertical of reimbursements and the FBA auditing and reimbursement. So getting sellers that money back because I, I kind of think of claim filing for reimbursements similarly to taxes, where you go to file your taxes, the IRS knows exactly how much you owe them and how much you were paid and how many taxes you already paid, etc. But when you file your taxes, if you get it wrong, they're like, that's not right. It's like, well, what, what did I do wrong? Like, we're not going to tell you. It's just wrong. And right. it's, it's a little bit like that going back and forth with Amazon. So um, we've we've really spent a lot of time and care, one, selecting the team that files claims for our sellers, and two, just working alongside Amazon to be sure that our API connects directly in to get the most accurate up-to-date data. And um, I mean, I, I, I could go on. I want to do dive right. too deep into it right now. I don't want to jump ahead of your questions. <laughs> no, I'm just curious. Um you know, in AMZ Insiders, uh, my job as a coach is to help people understand, okay, uh, this is off. You need to use Gatita, use a system to to get a reimbursement or just even reach out to Amazon and say, hey, can you remeasure this? Like, that's wrong. So do you have uh, some like cool story of a seller that that you know that was able to get a lot of uh, money back. I think I want to put it in kind of perspective of why reimbursements matter, whether or not people choose to use Gatita, but but that the point of looking for your money that you might not even know is there. Yeah. Um, you know, we have one seller. He's pretty well known in the community. His name is Josh Hadley and he has a company. We actually just interviewed him on Prime Talk and he has Becca's a company. Becca's been on the podcast, y'all. So oh, she his has? Wife is oh. Becca Hadley. So go check that one out. <laughs> I have not heard her episode yet. This is one of the, there's so many shows in the industry and like I'll, I'll, admit this here. I really don't listen to most of them, but I listen to yours. So I have to find back. I, I haven't it. gotten there yet. Um, but yeah, so we just had Josh on and he's a, a customer of ours. And um, I, you know, I don't know if it was mostly inbound or or what the claim type was, but we, his first check back from Gatita was, or I'm sorry, the first full reimbursement amount that we got him back from Amazon was $40,000. And wow. it's, it, that was the biggest single amount that I've heard so far. And, you know, it's, it's just 
things happen in inventory, like in FBA, right? So they're moving so many packages, things get missed, things get, you know, thrown in the wrong corner of a room. Really the biggest reason that sellers are due back reimbursements is for product going missing, right? And it's not nefarious. Like I said, you just imagine the amount of boxes that are flying through that place where you ship in a thousand units, Amazon gets 900. It doesn't behoove them to chase their tail all day long and say, well, wait a second, double count what came out of that box. The sticker says it should have a thousand. Okay, let's stop. Let's find nothing would ever get shipped out. I, nobody would ever, it would be three week delivery, not two day. So <laughs> It's it's the seller's responsibility to really take a look at their account and say, okay, here's what they should have got. Here's what they did get. I need to file a claim to have them investigate it. Um, it's mostly those missing units. There's a lot too of weights and dimensions issues. I like that you've mentioned that already. You're saying, yes. hey, this needs remeasured. It's wrong. And the easiest example that I always give is of a purse. And usually if you have like a long strap purse, you order it from Amazon, it comes, you know, neatly wrapped up and tied and packaged as small as possible. And then if you are ordering it for a wedding or a birthday or whatever, and it's the wrong color, not big enough, broken zipper, whatever the case may be, and you send it back and it goes back through the Cuba scanner with that strap extended, it's now four times bigger than it was when you had shipped it out to the customer. And those are the dimensions that they're applying to that SKU. So those are some of the reasons that sellers could be due back as well. We've also heard stories of, uh, you know, another claim type is issues with customer refunds, right? So a customer returned a product, they were refunded, but it wasn't actually your item. Sending back yes. like bags of sand when it was Ugh. supposed to be like tennis shoes or something, right? Like I've it's just it's weird crazy stuff back. Yeah, and um, yeah, I didn't know. That's interesting that you guys help with that too. One time. I got this is a couple years ago. I got uh, some piece of a side end table back. It's like what a piece, but and this is for your wallpaper product. No, this was uh, my outdoor sports. So it did fit in the <gasps> box, but it was like not the full table, but it fit in the box that I had sent them. And mm -hmm. they put a piece of like an end table. They must have just looked around their house and was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna put this in the box and keep." The like, you know, $300 product that I bought from, you know, they don't know it's me personally, but from my brand. Oh, I was, right. It was crazy. So they got the refund and I did send the seller a message and never heard back. This was in 2021, but I will never forget getting that piece of side table. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I My my dad used to, all the time before I got into this, I hope he doesn't do it anymore. I told him to stop, but um, he would just send back, he would like order a couple of, of units of something and one would be broken and he'd just send back the broken one just saying that he had ordered too many. And I'm like, no, you have to, he would just like switch out the inventory and send it back. He's like, oh, it's almost the same. I'm like, but it's it's not. It's we can't do that. <laughs> like I know it's a pain. <laughs> it's hard to educate buyers too because they're just yeah. shoppers. You know we can't really hold them accountable. Except you should not ship back a side table and keep my three hundred dollar no. product. <laughs> no, and don't ship back sand when you're saying you're returning an iPhone. And don't just just don't just be be better. <laughs> Consumers, my, be better. our listeners would never do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're too educated and smart and nice. I know. Um, yeah, we should do a whole like uh, bringing on people just to share what weird things they've gotten back. So walk me through that. So if I didn't do it, but what would I, what should I have done with that 
table piece gone to Gatita and been like, help me out? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a claim type that you can file to say, hey, the customer said they returned the item and they were refunded, but this wasn't actually my product or this was, you know, a bag of sand. And once Amazon goes in and confirms, oh, yeah, you never actually got your product back. You know, there's nothing for you to resell. There's nothing for you to refurbish to make your money exactly. back. You, you, you will be reimbursed for that. So there's there's about 30 different claim types that exist in total under I want to call it five categories. I don't have the list in front of me, um, but one of them is the accounting category, and those really fall under that category. I always picked pick and choose what I'm going to file a claim because with the like filing something back to to a buyer, I was always very very careful um, because I not as much now because I'm a seasoned seller, but as a new seller, I was so worried about my account health, and at the time I was struggling with my keeping my inventory in stock. So I probably would be more aggressive now because I understand what to do. Yeah. But yeah, when I was new, I was like, well, I'm just going to take that one on the chin and be like, okay, throw out their side table. Yeah. But I mean, that stuff adds up, right? But it's, it is a good note to say being worried about your account health because the reimbursement process has to be done by a human. It can't be automated. It can't be done by bots. That's against Amazon's terms of service. And so part of what we do at Katita, because people are always concerned. So we start with the 18 month look back to find anything that's been missed over the last year and a half. And then we do a daily audit moving forward. So of course, that first initial look back is going to be where you see the most return, right? And sellers come to us and say, you know, oh, well, don't, don't, don't do the whole 18, like do it in spurts because I my account's going to get shut down. We mm. automatically throttle the number of accounts that were, I'm sorry, the number of claims that we're filing to prevent the sellers from being restricted uh. or having their, their account shut down. Because if you do file too many at one time, Amazon does think that it's a bot. So that's where the problem comes in. But we've never had a seller's account restricted or um, shut down or anything like that based off of our our efforts. That has never happened. I want it to be very clear. Yeah. Um, but I understand that concern. It's a very legitimate concern to have, but it's Amazon's safeguard to say you can't have a bot doing this portion of, you know, management. Yeah. And that makes sense. And um, it, there was a certain area for, I think it was like three months. This one area in Miami was consistently saying that my products never arrived. And and I couldn't, I was like, this must be like friends of friends telling them like, hey, I got this expensive product and then I claimed it didn't arrive. And that kept happening to me. Or Mm. I was like a competitor's trying to take me down. You know, your mind goes wild of like, why why (laughs) is this happening theories? I know. And I just remind myself, I'm like, I'm such an important brand that people are like, you know, now doing weird things to to get (laughs) that they think I'm not going to notice because they think I'm a big brand. But really, I was managing all of it myself. (laughs) Yeah. No, and that's that's funny. That's that probably is true that there was somebody that had this idea to say, oh, buy this product and just say it didn't come. Um, I get that question a lot of is there any one fulfillment center I need to avoid that continuously loses product? And I'm like, Yeah, no, there's not. Unfor- like I, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, right? Like the the margin of error is one to three percent just overall spread across the board. Um, there's no one space where we're gonna say stop sending to St. Louis, like, no, that, that it's, right. it's not concentrated like that. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. The warehouse thing. Um, there was a storm in Dallas 
uh, several months ago. And my warehouse at the time was in Dallas. Now I ship, um, I'm shipping more to Nashville, but at the time mm-hmm. I was mostly assigned to Dallas. It's easy for me. And something happened to the building during the storm. I don't know, like a tree fell on it, like something big happened. So I, I got an email saying, oh, we won't be shipping any of your inventory for the next three months. I was like, oh, lucky me. My inventory will just sit on your shelves until y'all right. get OSHA in there. Oh, gosh. Yeah. What fun. That's, oh. But that's was some of the risks and cost of doing business, I guess. I- yeah. <laughs> but the, the lucky thing for me is my inventory was still all accounted for. And when it shipped out, started shipping again, it was actually all fine. But my fear was, okay, the tree fell on my stuff. It's completely gone or it's all soaked and ruined. And Amazon wasn't giving me information because they're like, we're not going in the building. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. "Hmm." It sucks to be in limbo like that. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm glad your stuff was all accounted for. Yeah, you. I work through it, and I just called my supplier. Was like, "Hey, I'm gonna need more, and I'm gonna ship it over to this other warehouse for a bit." And that now I'm. That's the rest of the stuff that's still over in Nashville. But you get through it. And one of the reasons I love working and selling on Amazon is because things move so quickly. It's like, yeah, that happened in Dallas. My inventory sat there. I quickly moved through it, continued my sales, and you know, it's all fine. Everything is now fine. I'm not saying everything is all fine, but you ride the waves quickly. Like I feel like, mm-hmm. especially with Katita helping, but it's like my problems get solved a lot faster. Yeah. I think that's just come with time and experience. You know, I, I joined the e-com industry by way of supply chain in July of 2020. And if anybody remembers, that was right before the ship got stuck in the Suez Canal. So I've known nothing but just chaos and everything being on fire. But I would like to think that the issues being resolved more quickly and all of these processes being in place is just from experience and lessons learned on Amazon's side. 2000, you know, pre 2015 was like the wild west. 2015, 16 was like the golden years as we look back on it now. But um, it's really, it's really become a marketplace for much more sophisticated sellers, especially post pandemic, because there were just tens of thousands of people joining the marketplace every day. And the, the sellers who really were were doing it right not using black hat tactics were educating themselves listening to podcasts taking courses are the ones who have made it and i think that that has helped elevate the industry as a whole you know for for the better for sure yeah i agree i agree uh you know, you you get the parameters of terms of service that you can play in and you're playing really well and it's going well and then something will change, right? Like um, yeah. uh, search, find, buy was totally okay when I started selling and now it's like, absolutely not. You can't do that and some review stuff and you just have to adjust. And I think that's being a respectable Amazon seller and a long-term seller to be committed to the industry. And as a coach, I always will say, um, you know, these are the rules. I would stay in the lanes here and you might be able to push the boundary a little bit here and you're not going to get shut down. But if Amazon slaps you on the wrist, pay attention. Like it's not a, it's not funny, right? This is your business and money and it can ruin your future selling forever. That's always what scares me. It's like, oh, I like wouldn't be able to sell in the future. So let's talk about um, something else I've been wanting to ask you. So for getting reimbursements, like how do you make sure that it's accurate 
and efficient when you're trying to like identify the specific reimbursements or even just any opportunities for reimbursements. Yeah. So Gatita, it's it's really quite simple. We have a direct API into every seller's Seller Central account. So we have complete visibility into what's going on with your FBA inventory um, direct from Amazon. And something else that's really cool just to make things easier and more streamlined is uh, Gatita is part of the Amazon Emerald program. We were one of only 10 service providers that were asked to join this program. So you can actually get push notifications directly on your Seller Central account by connecting the Gatita app through the Emerald and it'll say, hey, go to Gatita, you have a notification. You know, they they need XYZ. So it's you don't even have to ping pong between both sites anymore. You can just log into Seller Central and then click straight through if we need something. Um, but it's it's as easy as a direct API. We're able to see what the the issue is so if it's a matter of the weights and dimensions are incorrect or um there's you know units that are missing or anything like that we're just able to see it and file and the sellers are reimbursed directly into their seller central account we're not taking the money grabbing a percentage and sending it through we send you an invoice after the fact and we only get paid for what we get you back so it's entirely performance based as you mentioned up top there's no fee there's no membership. I mean, nothing like that. Purely performance-based. I like that. Well, congrats on being in the Emerald Club. I didn't know that. That's fancy. It just sounds really cool. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's a, it's, it's a kind of a really nice feather in our cap. It's a really great benefit to the sellers. It was a program that I believe was in develop, development and a little under wraps until Accelerate. I think they officially announced it at Accelerate. Yes. Um, but now we have the cute little green badge on, on our email signatures and things. So it's, it's nice. It's good to be a trusted partner. Yes, it is. It is. And trust the partners because it takes a lot to get that. It's not easy <laughs> to be a trusted partner with yeah. Amazon. So <laughs> huge congrats on that. And yeah, it is nice that there's no, no fees to sign up. So it's kind of like a, hey, why not uh, trust Gatita to help you find, find your money? Right. I like that. So let's jump. You said exactly. um, you were doing wedding planning before you even got into e-commerce, which is more fun, planning people's weddings or e-commerce? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I really love what I'm doing now. Um, so I, I have been a bridesmaid six times now and I have a couple more, you know, upcoming um so I'll probably round out my wedding career being a bridesmaid somewhere between 10 and 12 times. And um, I, I, I used to do events when I was in college. I worked for a family entertainment center and I was an event planner there all through college. And then I had been a bridesmaid so many times and I was helping my friends with their weddings and baby showers and bridal showers and bachelorette parties. And I was like, someone should pay me to do this. Like, why yes. am I not getting paid? And if you've ever been a bridesmaid, it's expensive. It's expensive to be a bridesmaid. Oh, yeah. And I, I was I have been in so many weddings and like you're fun person, right? And like, I like to have fun. So it's like, oh yeah, put you in your wedding. And then I'm type A. So I was like, oh yeah, no problem. I'll just pick up the whole bill. That's great. Yeah. It's like, I'll just, I'll just take care of everything. And yeah, I mean, and, and I was, a, you know, two of those times I was a maid of honor and you really, you want so desperately for everything to be perfect for your friends. So the bridesmaid who can't come up with the money for her portion or who flaked out last minute, you're like, 
I'll just take care of it. I mean, you go bankrupt being a bridesmaid and a maid right. of honor, right? So um, I decided, you know, that I, I would start doing wedding planning um, and pursued a, it, it was a program through Kennesaw State University with something called Longevity. And I'm now certified wedding and event planner. Um, I did this ah. during, I think during the pandemic. I, uh, I, graduated college in December of 16 and began working at a criminal background screening company. And that industry was hit really hard with the pandemic because nobody was getting hired and all the courts were closed. So there was really no work that we could do. So I found myself unemployed. I pursued my wedding and event planning certificate as well as a uh, digital marketing certification. And in May of 2020, I got my first bride. It was a recommendation of, from an old boss of mine. Um, and I, I met up with her and her fiance and lovely people, but I met them in May. They were getting married in October and they didn't have a caterer. They didn't have a DJ. They, I oh mean, boy. all I was like, do you have bridesmaids? Do you know who you're marrying? I mean, that was about all they had. And <laughs> oh, they're just in love. <laughs> they were just in love. You know, they just wanted to get it done. And um, so we, you know, secured everything. It was great. We were ready to go you know, had to navigate a couple of hurdles getting married during a pandemic, right? Um, three weeks before the wedding, the caterer went out of business due to COVID. So I had to find a wedding caterer with three weeks notice. And then I had to find a new DJ with three days notice because the DJ got COVID. At so, any point where you're like, I'll do the music, like I'll just handle it. <laughs> I... I was ready to hire some friends to cook. I was ready to hook up a phone with a fire playlist. It, it. I mean, you do what you've got to do, but um, you know, ended up pulling everything off. It was a really wonderful day. I, the process of planning the wedding and also having a full time job. I was working full time at Novyland at the time too, and uh, that I don't recommend. I, I don't believe that you can be a, a wedding planner and have a job. There's not enough hours in the day unless yeah. you're working nights. You have to wedding plan during the day work nights because that's when everybody's that's when your vendors are open. So um it was a lot of fun. It was very it was very stressful. I can't do it now, you know, working with Katita, especially as much as I travel. Yeah. Um but I do I do still share my expertise with my friends and things and they're like, hey, does this make sense? I'm like, absolutely not. Don't you dare try no. Just know that's that's going to be a nightmare for everyone involved. Go this route instead. So I love it. Well, it's quite the shift to go to wedding planning face to face to then everything that has to do with algorithms online and get a whole new education on Amazon selling, where it kind of relates because selling on Amazon and also the crazy travel schedule that that you have on that side. It uh, it can be chaotic too, right? Yeah. So it's like maybe you find peace in the chaos. I can't sit still. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> I uh, I I need to be moving. the The travel lifestyle absolutely suits me. I if I'm home for any longer than three or four weeks, I start to lose my mind, and I'm like, "What's what's happening? Where are we going? What's going on?" And I'll I'll you know, my, my, you should see my social calendar, Joey. It's, it's insane. Uh, really? It gives people anxiety. Oh yeah. I'm like double, triple booked up every single weekend. I, I can't, I can't stop. Um, but yeah, having to learn, you know, it was funny 
because I had had zero experience in e-com, very little experience in marketing, even when I started at Noviland. And that was really supply chain focused. And just through that, I got interested in Amazon and started learning about it. But um, it's there's a lot to wrap your head around. When I started, I didn't mm-hmm. even know that there were third-party sellers on Amazon. I thought Jeff owned everything that we were buying yeah, off of Amazon. Totally. I a lot of was people just, thought that. Yeah, I was just none the wiser. And then Francois was like, oh, no, it's like mostly regular people. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then just yeah. started to dive in and learn more. I love that. Well, jumping back into selling on Amazon, um, what what kind of advice or even like conversation keeps reoccurring when you are out across the world talking to seasoned sellers? Like, like what, what is it? Is it lost money? Like what keeps popping up? Right now, what two things always come up. One, just because of the nature of what I do and of Gatita, I'm asked all the time, what are the best events to attend, right? I really think that the key to success in this industry is to be involved in your community, um, whether that be online or on a small scale in your city. Like go to an Amazon seller meetup group. There's a ton of them in Austin. There's a ton in New York, a ton in California. Um, So get involved. That's, That's a huge one that I get all the time. Uh, the second really would be the name of the game right now is branding and to establish a really, really strong brand. Now, I'm certainly not an expert in that by by any means. I've never sold on Amazon, just full transparency. It's not for me. Much more of a service provider kind of gal. Um, but that's the name of the the game right now is create a really strong brand, something that's going to become a household name and create that loyalty with your customers that's going to make them want to tell their friends, right? Because yes. that's word of mouth and, and recommendations are really, in my opinion, the, the strongest thing out there, truly. I agree. In, in 2024, you're going to have to be working even harder to build your brand. Yeah. And I'm always preaching about branding. I am a have a marketing background, so I'm all about building brands and branding. And you brand yourself personally, right? Like, yes. And even like my Fearless Sellers brand, I put a lot of love into this so that, you know, women and, and all, all, all sellers want to come back and hang out. And I think that will be so important for 2024. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Well, Lisa, is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we say goodbye? Um, I, I don't think so. I just, I love that you have this show. This was a, something I saw immediately was missing in the industry was a space to have conversations exclusively with female leaders in the space. So I'm really thrilled that you have this platform and thank you so much for, for having me here. Um, I do co-host two podcasts at Gatita. I'll just give a plug if I can. We have Sellernomics and Prime Talk. I know we've had Joey on, we've had Jamie on. We've, I mean, if, if there's somebody in the industry, we've had them on. So a lot of overlapping conversations, but um, really a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I wish we could have done this in person. That was the goal, but travel no, got maybe in the way. this year. <laughs> I know. Maybe, maybe in 2024, this year we'll be able to do it in person. I know. The travel is is wild. And that yeah. always surprised me with, with, I knew getting into this, it's online, but there's so much fun and excitement to be had. So everybody listening, we hope to see you guys 
at uh, an event soon. There's plenty of them in 2024. So Lisa, until next time, stay fearless. If you're already selling on Amazon or you're looking to get started and you want my help, go to amzfearless.com to book a free strategy selling session. We can see if we can help you out. That's amzfearless.com. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. Until next time, stay fearless. Fearless.